Hello there, and welcome to the Cocoa Butter Junkie Podcast. I'm Michelle, and this is my podcast. This is a podcast on the everyday reflections and experiences of a Kenyan woman. It is my examination of life living through mental health issues, grief, growing up, aka kicking and screaming into adulthood, the experiences of being a woman in Kenya, making friends as an adult, struggles with faith, and a bunch of other topics. Thank you for listening. <sighs> Today, I want to tell you about my brother. The day that this episode goes live was supposed to be my brother's birthday. June 28th. He would be turning 30. I remember I was just about to leave the house to go meet a friend when I either called my mom or she called me, I don't quite remember, um, to ask where she'd reached and she told me she was not coming to visit. She was supposed to come to Nairobi to visit me, um, but then she tells me she's not coming. My brother has not been home since Friday. I remember feeling... Um, puzzled <laughs> like why wouldn't she come my, I mean my brother was a grown-up he was 25 and he would turn up at any point at this time my brother was living at home with my parents so I told her I would call her later uh, so I left the house got into a matatu and was on my way to town so again in the Nairobi traffic I called her and there was no response. So at this point, I started to get worried. I was like, uh, maybe he's lost somewhere. He's lost his phone. Um, so I started to call his friends. I started messaging them on social media, the ones that I knew. And I was like, um, we haven't heard from Ken since Friday. Do you know where he is? Is he with you? When was the last time you saw him? At this point, I was just thinking probably he's lost his phone. And that's how you can get in contact with him. But I didn't think any more than that. So I don't quite remember at what point I called my sister. But I remember her telling me that she had called Safaricom. She had a friend at Safaricom. And uh, she just had to get my brother's phone um, records. And... When the friend got back in contact with her, she tells us that the last time the phone was used was Friday. And this was Tuesday, so it still didn't register. So I just asked my sister to keep calling friends. Um, I think at this point, both of us thought that we would find him and he would uh, be okay. <laughs> I mean, he was either out of town with friends and he'd switched off his phone or lost it or... I mean, he was a 25-year-old. So um, I kept calling his friends and none of them was getting back to me. Um, when I got to town to meet my friend, she was late. So I got into a restaurant to wait for her. I ordered something to drink. I remember, I think it was a juice. Um, but I couldn't for some reason take the juice. I couldn't drink it. I was, my nerves were starting to kick in. So at this point, I'm thinking, is he sick? Is he in hospital? What is happening? 
So I wait for what seemed like an hour. I don't quite remember. We know when you're nervous, everything seems, time seems to move so slow. So when my friend arrives, I tell her my brother has been missing and she reassures me and she tells me everything is okay. Um, so I was supposed to give her something I gave her and then we went our separate ways. At this point, um, a family friend starts to call me and I wasn't in the mood to take a call from him. So I just hung up and I was like, I'll call him later. So I got into another matatu to go and pick my clothes from Afundi um, in Donholm. Um, and at this point, my uncle calls me. And he's like, uh, where are you? Are you in the house? I'm like, no, I'm in town. I need to go somewhere to pick some things. And he's like, I need to see you. Please, can we meet in your house? And then I'm like, no, I can't come. I'm in town. <laughs> That's another one hour for me to get to the house. And he starts to insist. And then I'm like, no, I can't come. Like, And then at some point he gets angry and he tells me, Michelle, I need to see you in the house. And he's very insistent and he's very angry. So I think this is the point that I knew my brother was dead. So um, I just remember... Um, being in shock, I, I don't think like I quite registered it, but looking back, this is the moment that I knew he was dead. So I had to change my plans. Um, I remember sitting down at some point, don't quite remember, at the, at the Matatu um, stage. Um, yeah, so I just sat down and then I think after a while I stood up and got into a Matatu to go back to my house. And... I was still carrying the juice from the restaurant. It was in a to-go cup. So I was still carrying the juice. I remember putting it on the matatu floor where I was seated. And then, yeah, um, went home. It, I remember it was the longest ride of my life because I was thinking, no, um, what was he going to tell me? I hope he's just going to tell me that he's sick and he's in hospital or maybe he was attacked. But then I knew. I think this was my beginning stage. <laughs> um, if you know the stages of grief, if I think about it, this was my beginning stage because my brain could just not process that he was he was dead. Um, so this was the longest um, ride to my house. Um, I remember thinking that I'm going to my house to be told that my parents' only son is dead. Yeah, I remember getting off the matatu um, when I got to the estate and leaving the juice there. I just couldn't be bothered. So um, I get into my house and I'm supposed to wait for my uncle to arrive. At some point, my cousin calls me and asks me where I am. So I tell her I'm in the house. And she tells me, just stay there. I'm on my way coming. So I get to my house and 
I can't sit still. I am so anxious. So I start cleaning. <laughs> I clean. And then after I'm done, I remember washing the utensils and cleaning the sitting room and taking out the trash and then coming back and just sitting. But I couldn't sit still. So I remember moving around in the house, trying to just put things in order. At some point, my cousin arrives with another cousin of mine who's her brother. And she wants to start with small talk and I'm not up for it. So I'm like, just tell me. Um, so she's quiet and she's not talking and she just looks at me and starts to shake her head. And I don't know what happened to my legs. They just went out from under me and I just found myself sitting on the sitting room floor. I started to scream and suddenly my cousin was beside me and at some point I pushed her away and went to my bedroom, locked the door and went in. And I remember screaming really loudly and at the same time thinking about my neighbors, what would they think was happening in my house? <laughs> I used to live in an apartment block, so I'm sure my neighbors heard me. So I just remember screaming. And my cousin was say, saying something outside my door. I don't I didn't quite get it and I didn't really care. And yeah, so it was just um it was just I was just in a state of shock. And I remember thinking now I'm like everybody else. I don't know why that thought crossed my mind. But for some reason, that is what I was thinking. And then out of nowhere, I just stopped crying and went numb. I went quiet for a while and then I went to open my door and went out of my bedroom to meet my cousin. So I went out and asked her what happened. And I remember sitting with her and she was trying to explain to me what she knew. But I don't quite remember what she said. At some point, people started arriving in my house. I remember some family friends. My cousin's friend came. Um, at some point, my uncle who'd called me when I was in town also arrived. My sister came and she hugged me and she asked me if I was okay. And she was crying, but I was numb. And I just told her, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, so we immediately arranged to travel. So um, we left in my uncle's car, we went to his house, he picked some clothes and we picked an aunt of mine and we left and we traveled for home. I think um, the first stages of reality hit me when I got home and I saw my dad. 
and I remember crying really loudly and I hugged him and he walked me and my sister to the house and I saw my mom and she was numb and I remember crying and she was holding me and I looked at her and I was saying I'm so sorry mom and it was like she was feeling nothing she was numb completely yeah um that's what I remember from that day and the next thing I remember is when he was finally brought home from the mortuary um, and we went to see his body for the first time. I remember he looked like he'd been injured on his face. I didn't see the rest of his body. But he just looked like he was asleep. But it's at the same time, it didn't look like him. But he just looked like he'd been injured. So, And I remember my mom throwing herself on the casket and screaming. And my vernacular, which is Maragoli, and she was talking in Kimaragoli, and she was crying really loudly. And... I was there with my sisters and we were just quiet. And I remember asking myself, why are you not crying? It was like I was beside myself, like I was outside my body watching myself. And I was like, why are you not crying? Why are you not screaming? Why are you not devastated? But the only thing I could feel was numbness and Looking at my brother, he just looked like he was asleep. But my mom was screaming and she was wailing and lamenting. And it's like one of the most traumatic experiences of my life, seeing my mom like that. Um, yeah, um, the next time I saw his, I saw him before, it was just before he was buried. And it was just his face. We never got to see the rest of his body. Um, yeah, because he apparently, what I was told was that he was really injured badly. He had been mutilated. And yeah, so I think the people around us were very intentional, not letting us see him. And there are times when I wonder what would have happened if I had seen the rest of his body. Sometimes I regret and sometimes I'm like, maybe it was good that I didn't see because... Just knowing the details of how he died still traumatized me to this day. The reason I'm talking about this now is because I think of this downtime that COVID-19 has given us. And I find myself thinking more about him than I have in the last four plus years that he's been gone. I wonder every day if I will ever heal or if I will ever know what really happened to him. If my family will ever heal. I wonder what will happen to my dad because he saw him in the mortuary. Actually, we found my dad found him in the mortuary. 
because they've been looking for him. Uh, they looked everywhere, and the only place that was remaining was a mortuary. So my dad went, and if you know how Kenyan mortuaries are, <laughs> yeah, he found him um in the mortuary, and he'd been here yeah, mutilated. So I will not go into detail of what he looked like, but my point is the kind of trauma my dad experienced when he saw him. So I wonder every day if he will ever heal from that. So, so far we just know bits and pieces of the story. We don't know exactly who killed him, who killed him and why. And we just know that he left work with his friend and other bits and pieces and... Yeah, so we don't really know the full story and I remember we would follow up that first year, especially my dad. My dad would make every effort. I think we have met with every rank of police in Wasingeshu County and we've met even with the governor and the deputy governor who was very helpful. But yeah... We think that there's a cover-up somewhere, but we still don't know the full story. So, yeah. I remember those first few months I would write just to cope. And... There's something I wrote, I will link in the show notes. If you want to, you can go and check it out. And then at some point, I just couldn't write anymore. I lost interest in writing and many things after that. Actually, if you've listened to episode two about my mental health, this is one of the reasons why, this is one of those events that forced me to go and see a psychiatrist. Because losing interest in things that you love to do could be a sign of depression. Yeah, so I think when my brother died was the first time that I really felt and understood the meaning of the word trauma. I always knew the dictionary meaning, but this was the first time that I really felt it. And have you ever felt like something was just too real? This is what I felt. I felt like the earth was speeding too fast and I just needed to get off <laughs> and get into an alternate reality where things weren't too real. So now I'm finding myself reliving the days we found out he had died and the day we buried him. We found him on a, we found him on a Tuesday, as I said before, and by Saturday he was, we had buried him. Sometimes I feel like it was too short a time, but then what would he, would he have done if we had taken longer? And then other times I feel like it was the three days leading to his burial was so long. Yeah, it feels, sometimes it feels too long and too short at the same time. Have you ever lost someone and do you want to share that with me? If you would like to, 
directly send me a message on anchor.fm slash junkie and I will share your story in the podcast. You can also DM me on at this Kenyan woman on Twitter or Instagram. A podcast I am listening to this week is Terrible. Thanks for asking. It's a podcast on grief. You can find that on Apple Podcasts. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.